probably helps to have yeah, a bit of a bit of content. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, content's always good. This is I Might Be Wrong, a podcast hosted by myself, Rich Newham, and my co-host, Mr. Henry Salmon. Welcome back. Uh, glad to have you with us. Um, we are getting going on episode number three. Um, hopefully we've picked up a couple of listeners at this point, even if it's just our mums having a listen to what we're up to. Fingers crossed. Um, so, Rich, the, the album that we're talking about today, or the, the artist, um, I think we're talking about the Foo Fighters, is that yeah, correct? Yeah, that is correct. And which album have you chosen of their massive back catalogue? <laughs> yeah, so for me, the kind of quintessential Foo Fighters album, or the album that really had a big influence on, on my taste, is is The Colour and the Shape. Where did you first hear it? Uh, interestingly, The Colour and the Shape, for me... I didn't hear it as an album for a while after hearing some of the songs on it. So it came out, obviously, 97. And that was around the time that I'd started getting more into the Britpop scene. From True. The kind of, so yeah. Britpop for me was 94, 95 when I started listening to yeah. Oasis, Definitely <clears throat> Maybe, and all that kind of stuff. And off the back of that, I started buying the Shine albums, which were compilation albums yes. in the 90s that had a lot of... Britpop type stuff on there. Now, Foo Fighters were on at least one or two of those albums that I owned. Um, and so that kind of brought in, obviously you've got a lot of that kind of, you know, stuff like the Long Pigs and Oasis and those guys. Uh, but there's this American influence coming from the Foo Fighters. And, and I listened to it. And I, to start with, I, I just assumed they were another British rock band. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so things like, I guess Everlong is the obvious one for me. Like that's that's the classic. It's got a, an amazing video. I love the like the massive hands. <laughs> yes, um, just a fantastic. And actually, while I love the version of Everlong that's on there, there's an acoustic version um, that Dave Grohl recorded. I don't even know when, but this was one that we picked up at university. It's like it. It was. I remember downloading a file that was Everlong Acoustic, the good one. Yeah. And it was a slightly slower version, and it was really beautifully done. Because that's my first introduction to Everlong was through that university acoustic one. Really. Um, and I, because or at least it was the one that instantly went, oh, this is different. And I and I'd heard the color and the shape before, but I think at university I heard that and thought, oh, hang on a second, they they can do quiet. And I think when we were talking about kind of evolution of our musical tastes, um. That's one of the ones which actually at, at university kind of kind of took me off to one side in terms of actually you don't Quite have to can listen be to good. noise. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, which is interesting because I come from completely the other direction where listening to things like the Beatles and you know that kind of stuff growing up um, through my parents and and like you say Simon and Garfunkel listen to that and a lot of long car journeys with my dad um, listening to things like the Foo Fighters that's angrier and louder and more aggressive opened up. A lot of that side of things to me um, and was probably my gateway into bands like Pixies and Nirvana and things like that where I probably needed that stepping stone to get yeah. to the louder shoutier stuff did you did you know about Dave Roll and his Nirvana collection before the Foo Fighters appeared or? so this is an interesting one because I I obviously I knew Nirvana before that um, 
I probably wasn't aware enough of that kind of grunge scene when it was actually happening. I probably yeah. my, my appreciation of that came later in life. Yeah. Um, and so from my perspective, I really enjoyed like I didn't know I genuinely didn't know that Dave Grohl had been in in Nirvana. I yeah. think. You know, for a lot of people in that era, Nirvana was Kurt Cobain and Kurt Cobain was Nirvana and the other guys in the group didn't really get a look in. Yeah. Um, and then obviously, it's amazing because Dave Grohl is such a huge personality. If you've ever seen, obviously you've seen Free Fighters live because we've, we've been to see them together. Yep. Um, I've seen them a few times and, and they are incredible live, but he's such a like, massive, charismatic personality on stage. Yeah. Um, that he's he's really interesting to to you that you go back. I don't know if you've ever watched any of the kind of Nirvana biopics or anything like that, but he's sort of this quiet, shy figure Gangly. in the background. Yeah, yeah awkward and long haired and almost hiding behind it. So yeah, because if you look at so the the unplugged in New York Nirvana stuff. So I I found out so at school um, there was a kid in school in the year above us um, whose name escapes me. And his dad, for his birthday, um, his dad was a Nirvana fan. He said, we're off to the States because um, MTV are doing this like session. What? So do you want to come along? So his dad flew him to New York. Holy um, shit. And they were, went, they watched it together. And he came back and he was in the playground going, oh, I was listening to this band, to listening to Nirvana. And they were doing an unplugged session. And all of us in the playground were like, well, they were unplugged. What's the point in that? You want to hear them make some noise. And But if you watch those sessions back... Um, have a look at Dave Roll because he's sitting in the background and he, the impression that you see of him in all the videos is he's like long-haired, gangly, kind of awkward guy. But if you listen to when they're talking about, they have some clips which are kind of the making of. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you can hear him speaking. A lot of his input is fed in. You can hear him kind of trying to get involved and, and tweak things around. So even at that time, you kind of know he's not just the drummer. He's a, He can well, do a bit more than that. That's an interesting part of the Dave Grohl story was that he, growing up, um, he was learning to play the drums and learning guitar um, and he couldn't decide which one to do and he was talking with his sister and his sister said, guitarists are to a penny. They're like, they're everywhere. Talented guitarists, like you'll just be another talented guitarist. Talented drummers are really hard to find. You should focus on the drumming. Really? And so that's how he ended up being a drummer first. Oh, I didn't so obviously know he that. plays guitar in, in a lot of you know, I mean, he is drumming horror of rock, but he plays guitar off for Foo Fighters. He's yeah. played guitar on, you know, a number of other bands and other number of other places. Um, but yeah, he's that's apparently that's the story. I, I remember, again, I think it was Sound City. Um, there's a Sound City's a famous studio in in the states that a lot of amazing, incredible albums were recorded at, and Dave Grohl they were tearing it down and he rescued, there's a sound desk from there that's like this classic sound desk and he rescued it. It's now part of his home studio setup. Wow, yeah. Um, but they did a whole documentary about it and the albums that recorded it and all that kind of stuff. It's really interesting because he talks about some of the background to Nirvana and, and the Foo Fighters for that, which is really interesting. But yeah, I would, I would search that out and go and uh, go and have a listen. So what about so since um since that album the Foos have released a lot more um have you got any other favorite albums floating around from the Foos? Yeah, I mean I I like a lot of their stuff. I haven't really listened to the more recent couple of albums, but 
Nothing Left to Lose is fantastic. I love Stacked Actors and Learn to Fly on that. Stacked Learn Actors in particular. Learn to Fly's got the... Isn't that the video where they... Um, yeah, they're all in drag. And, yeah. and there's cocaine, like, in the... They hid cocaine in the coffee maker and then they gave everyone coffee and then everyone trips out. Yeah. Um, yeah, I like... It's, 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 it's a good video. That's a great... That's a great one. But Stacked Actors is awesome and that's his dig at Courtney Love as well. Is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So okay. You should go and have a look at that. It's, um, it's an interesting backstory there because obviously they're not necessarily... Massive fans of each other. No. Um, and then One by One, I really like. That came out while we were at university. I remember listening to that. And there were specific songs on there that are great. Times um, Like These. Yeah. Classic. Low is great. Times Like These is great. Um, I really like Tired of You. I don't know why. It's a quieter track, I guess. And yeah. a bit understated, but I really love it. Um, and then In Your Honours is good as well there's a couple of tracks on there that I really like it's interesting because Dave Grohl talks about those albums as like he doesn't love the albums really he loves particular <clears throat> tracks on them but not not the whole album um, and then I guess a more recent one Wasting Light is great there's some because they went back to recording in a very garage raw format rather than recording slick studio style stuff and it re- you can hear it on the album I don't think I've heard it uh, it's great. Go and have a listen. Okay. Dear Rosemary and White Limo, I think, are two really good tracks on there. There's a couple others as well. I haven't listened to it for a while. Um, but we should probably talk a little bit about the colour and the shape as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, let's, let's go back into it. Because um, so we've mentioned um, we've mentioned Everlong. Um, yeah. Uh, I mean, there's so much good stuff on there. Monkey Wrench is amazing. I love the <clears throat> screamed monologue in the middle of that. It's just fantastic. I think Monkey Wrench was on <clears throat> one of the compilation CDs in the 90s that old tapes I think yeah. that I picked up so that I think that's one of the ones which stuck in my head yeah it's definitely one for me and I love Enough Space as well that's a that's such a belter of a track drums on my hero <coughs> I'll take them any day yeah yeah yeah, <coughs> that's, yeah that, absolutely that, that's got a bit of um, you know you're not going to forget that um, and and the rawness of his <laughs> voice as he's screaming my hero in the in the chorus of that song is fantastic yeah the, and this is so okay I'm going to Let's slightly derail our conversation again. But if you if you look at the Foos now um, and, and the way well, then and the way they were recording music um, and a lot of the bands at the time, there's so much energy and angst in there. And do do does, do the teenage crowd today have those bands they can listen to? I, I can't see it. I'm, maybe they I'm, must they must be there. I, I wonder whether we're just not listening to yeah. that stuff because we're old men now. Yeah, because I look at <laughs> you. You look at kind of idols and, and bands like that who are floating around who are angry and I love idols by the way but, but I've seen quite... idols live and I wasn't as blown away as I wanted to be yeah they're a bit shambolic live from what I've seen they just they just don't have that energy it's not that raw emotion coming okay. from them it's more it's, it feels a little bit posturing okay yeah interesting because uh, and 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 that's an exception so um, so I kind of hunt around uh, on um, you know your favourite music streaming um, app and um, we can say Spotify for one. All right, well, yeah. <laughs> we're not sponsored by anyone, and we're not the BBC. So okay, and um, <laughs> so they are. Um, so so hunting around them there, you, I just don't see that music come out. There's lots of electronica because you know someone can record something in their basement. Yeah. There's lots of there's lots of very good um, artists floating around who, um, both male and female, who make lovely melodic music and, and sing along to it, but. You don't, you don't get the, you know, as as was it, it was Kurt, it was Dave Grohl actually who was saying, you know, um, you just need like a bunch of mates in a, in a garage and you just 
learn and learn and, and, and play away until you become Nirvana and then <laughs> well go. that's the thing it's the it's the drive to do it and I think there's a certain immediacy with and I love electronic music and we'll certainly talk about some of that stuff um, but I think there's a there's a when you're doing guitar band music particularly as a complete novice there's less control whereas with electronic music you can program stuff so that once you have that programmed sound you know exactly what it's going to do. Whereas if you're playing in a rock band with your mates and you're 16, like the drummer's going to do whatever the hell he wants and <laughs> yeah. the bassist is going to lose like lose track of what's going on. Like you've got all these things where it's like you have to put that effort in yeah. constantly. But there's got to be bands out there like that. Okay, maybe we should set ourselves a challenge to go and find <clears throat> some like new music bands that are that kind of thing. Because yeah. I'm certain I've seen stuff at End of the Road Festival that is very vital new rock music yeah um so I'll, I'll have a dig around and see what i can find and, and maybe we'll share some of that stuff in future podcasts start hunting i don't like february stars really yeah, i've said it really yep mm. i don't know just something about the chorus don't like it just just get someone nerves a bit i've said it it's it's a, <laughs> it is a slower track and i'm in i'm not going to defend it in terms of oh no that's one of my favorites because it's it's not it's it's maybe a touch slow I think that's just it's it's that's definitely personal taste of right. come on foos you're the Foo Fighters don't tweet don't tweet at me for that opinion that's that's all on Henry <laughs> I've said it <laughs> um, yeah I mean it's it's the thing about I think the thing about the colour and the shape is that it's such a great album again you said this last week about um, about Green Day it's it's such a great album to listen to the whole way through like there's no I mean, obviously that's filler for you, but like one track of filler from an album at that time, I remember, you know, you'd hear a couple of singles on the radio and go and buy the album and be really excited and then like <laughs> eight tracks out of 12 are just shit. I, I, I bought a garbage album and it was 90% garbage. Um, but it was a <laughs> yeah, bit of a wake-up call. I'm thinking specifically of, I can't even remember the name of the album now, but the Oasis album after... What's the story? Is that the one with the helicopters in the track of the... Um, what was it called? Yeah, that's the one. Uh, I can't remember. I'm sure we will. Um, but that, that particular album is... I remember hearing a couple of tracks on the radio. I, in fact, probably only the lead single, because it would have been lead single was released, then the album was released, and then they've released another couple of singles back, in that, back at that time. And I remember being so excited about it coming out. Is it Be Here Now? I think it might be Be Here yeah, Now. Be yeah, Be Here Now. I remember being so excited about it coming out that I just went and bought it on the day of release. Back in the day when oh you used to go and buy albums on the day of release. Be Here Now was released in 97. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah, yeah. I was still at school at that point. I remember going, I remember taking the bus into town specifically to buy it and just being really disappointed. However, Magic Pie on Be Here Now is incredible. Oh, like I, I say, well. there's a couple of great tracks on there, but no. most of them. So Noel Gallagher talks about it being their comfortably their worst album because they were so coked up in the studio <laughs> that yeah that they all just there was no filter on it that was the problem. Talking of we're, we're, again we're off off we go uh, off on so, a tangent. So so Noel Gallagher does um, so if you listen to Six Music, uh, Steve Lamac um, mm-hmm. has every Christmas he invites Noel Gallagher onto Six Music to talk about. Um, his kind of Christmas playlist and, oh, really? and so Noel turns up for um, I don't know if he's kind of on repeated shows but he'll just introduce music and it's a bit like this but better right because <laughs> it's not going to actual <laughs> yeah, yeah people who are involved in this stuff yeah and you hear him um, and, and Stephen Mack both talking about their influences and, and Noel 
talking about the number of times where he's kind of kicked out of hotel rooms. He, he was apparently he went back to Australia pretty recently, um, and he was told that um, I think the rest of the he was be he was put on Cathay Pacific and everyone else was put on Qantas. And the reason that he wasn't allowed on Qantas because he's still banned from it. So they had to fly him out <laughs> on a different airline because he's not allowed back on that Amazing. One. See, I'd expect Liam to be the one that gets banned from things and that Noel's just banned because he's there with Liam. You'd think. but I think, Liam is a prick. I think maybe that's just... Uh, they got. If he's listening together. to this, you're a prick. He won't oh, be listening to this. He, listening. <laughs> <laughs> he does... I mean, don't get me wrong, that snarly voice from the early night, from the mid... I guess mid-90s, 94, 96, for those two albums... Um, like those are very, very quintessential sound for me. Yeah. But Noel was clearly a talented one, and I've got a lot more respect for him as a. We should save that one for an Oasis Blur conversation. Oh, um, yeah, we should do. We should do an Oasis versus Blur. I've got strong opinions. Strong opinions on that one. <laughs> I'm sure we probably both do. So, well, interesting. I think I'll have a different opinion to my 16 year old self. So let's let's leave that one for there. So wrapping up the foos. Yeah. Um, so I think. Uh, I think I think you're right. I think you picked probably the quintessential Foo's album. Um, it's the one that I've listened to the most over the years, and it's the one that gave me the kind of that route into American, like the more American alternative rock scene. So that opened up because I'd listened to Nirvana, but probably not enough at that point. So Nirvana, Pixies, all those kind of guys that I've that I've already mentioned that that really opened up a lot of that for me, um, and they're they're. I mean, we talked about live stuff for Green Day. Neither of us had seen Green Day live, but live, the Foo Fighters are an incredible show. I remember seeing them at Leeds Festival years ago, and they played... Um, I remember specifically them playing Stacked Actors, and they get to, like, midway through the song, and there's the, the guitar riff, and they just, rather than continuing the song, they just played the guitar riff, and Dave Grohl dicked around, like, hiding behind things and, like, popping up from behind <laughs> barriers on the sides of the stage and he's stuff a, like that. He's a frontman. Yeah, he's very entertaining, and he just genuinely is one of the one of the best shows showman frontman types that I've that I've seen. Do you remember we went to was it was I with you at Glastonbury and Electric Six were playing and the frontman yeah. started doing press ups? Yeah, <laughs> like that's... Well, the, the Electric Six. My main memory of that was the lead guitarist having a flying V, and I've never seen a man stand with his feet so wide apart that his balls were almost touching the uh, stage. <laughs> yeah, I, actually, yeah, of course. He played pretty much the whole set with his legs. As I don't know how you manage that without like pulling something. He's probably like, nursing himself <laughs> afterwards in the bar. So, Maybe yeah. he does yoga. Probably does yoga. Yeah. Um, but yeah, because we saw him at Hyde Park as well, didn't we? That was a great gig. Although I remember it being windy and yeah, like... Yeah, that's a good point. The sound quality wasn't great. We ended up having to go and stand by one of the speaker stacks to get... Didn't Brian May turn up? Yeah, so that was the encore where yeah. the remaining living me uh, members of Queen turned up and played. Roger Taylor was on the drums. That's right. So that's how uh, Taylor from Foo Fighters, they did uh, Queen's Tie Your Mother Down. Yeah, which is that's brilliant. Right. That's and there right. is a, there is a version of that on YouTube. Is there? Okay. Yeah, from from that. I don't think it's particularly great quality. I think it might be someone's like camera phone or something, or, or like camera that with video that they recorded at the time. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's it's awesome. It's um, Tyler could be a frontman of a band comfortably. Like he's got the charisma and the singing voice as well. Because that I remember Tyler Mother Down just being fantastic. Can he sing? I can't. Yeah. Okay. Well, he can belt out Tyler Mother Down. So fair enough. Yeah. 
Queen, that's another one we should do. Maybe, maybe we'll get our friend Special uh, guest. our friend James on for that one because he's he's a bit of a Queen fanatic. Yeah. I wanted to talk about Queen and maybe Pink Floyd. Yeah, Pink Floyd with him because uh, I know that he's he he'll be he'll be keen to tell us all about that. <laughs> he'll weigh in and he'll be right as well. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that was that was an epic gig. I just remember them bringing them out on stage and being like, "Holy shit!" And just watching Dave Grohl like playing guitars, like directly next to Brian May playing playing lead guitar, is just fantastic. Classic. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. So yeah, that's um that's the Foo Fighters. That's the color and the shape. Um, we're done. Yeah, we will be back with. Who are we going to cover next? I think we're going to do the shins, aren't we? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the shins. We're going to cover the shins. And next I think that would be an interesting one because I don't think Henry's made his mind up on which album he really wants to talk about there. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Join us back next next week or next fortnight, however often I manage to get around to releasing these. We will be with you then. Cheers. Yeah. No, no. Thank you for listening to I Might Be Wrong a rather rambly podcast about music hosted by myself, Rich Newnham, and my co-host, Mr. Henry Salmon. 